Hello and welcome along to episode 78 of the All Things Leeds podcast. I'm Ed McIntyre and joining me remotely is, as always, Charles Foster. Charles, hello. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? I'm uh, very well. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm okay. Not too bad. You had a good week? Been pretty dull. <laughs> Not done much. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to talking about this and talking about the game. Are you? <laughs> After a lot, you're looking forward to talking about it. <laughs> well... I'm looking forward to talking about the club, maybe not the game as much. Just I, talking I about Leeds really... United. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't love talking about games we've lost, but, you know, Leeds must. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we of course have to talk about that game from Monday night, which saw Leeds United lose 1-0 uh, to Wolves at Ellen Road. We've got plenty of news to discuss as well, uh, including giving our thoughts on the whole pay-per-view debacle uh, before looking ahead to Leeds United's next game, which sees them take on Aston Villa away at Villa Park on Friday night. Plenty coming up here on the All Things Leeds podcast. So let's start by looking back on Monday night's game then. Uh, Leeds United losing 1-0 to Wolverhampton Wanderers at Ellen Road. Charles, what's the feeling coming out of that game for you? Frustration. I think because I wasn't following the game that closely because I, I had other things I had to do. Yeah, I wasn't following the game that closely because I was uh, just following on Twitter and other things to do. But I have I've seen you know a lot of the first half, a lot of the second half, and all the highlights and things. And it just seems like we were so on top in the first half. We just the right chance didn't fall to us. There was you know a few unlucky bounces, a few good interceptions by the likes of Connor Cody and um, the rest of the Wolves defenders that kind of prevented us from making that you know that lethal breakthrough and. I was pretty confident that we would crack on in the second half and take it forward, but, you know, it wasn't to be. So it was just a bit frustrating. Yeah, yeah, 100%. My feeling coming away from that game was a mix of frustration and disappointment, really. You know, Leeds United, I feel, didn't deserve to lose the game. I feel I feel as though a draw would have been a fair result and Leeds United deserved a point for how they played. They played incredible football, the Leeds United. They were great value for money in particular in that first half, as you say. Um, and I guess that you could say that it was a game of two halves, really. Leeds United were on top in that first half, but then Wolves were definitely the better team in the second half. Yeah, just disappointing because um, looking at the players' interview, I think it was Aileen saying that the um, Wolves kind of changed up the system in the second half and um, Leeds couldn't quite get to, to grips with them as, uh, as well as they could in the first half. And um, see, that was a bit disappointing that we couldn't carry it on. And then... It felt like it was just, it was coming. It was it was inevitable. I did feel like there was that point in the second half and I think on about between the 55th minute and about the just shy of the 70th minute where I thought <laughs> we're definitely going to concede at some point here. Yeah, the second half wasn't wasn't great. I suppose we're going to end up talking about the, the offside goal that they scored, that VAR fixed for it. <laughs> I don't want to say fixed for us, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was offside. Having seen it back, yeah. he's like, I saw a lot of people comparing it to, like, you know, like these daft like armpit offsides that Liverpool. Yeah, no, it was offside. But it, it, it was a full leg off. His, his, yeah. his full right leg was offside. So if that had been given against us, I'd have, I wouldn't be complaining. I'd have been a, bit, a little bit, yeah. you know, annoyed, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be complaining because it's it's offside. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't millimeters. That's that's for sure. I, I knew it was offside even without that line there. I I, I could see it in, in that still frame that he was just slightly in front of Luke Halen. So, uh, yeah, there's no doubt about that. But you're right in saying that, you know, their goal was coming, but not in the first half. Leeds United were, were definitely on top in the early stages, putting Wolves under immense pressure, moving the ball around well, players moving well, passing well. It, it would just be Elsa Ball at its finest in, in the first half, really. Very entertaining to to watch. And, and it was great to see us make a team who 
have finished seventh in the Premier League both seasons. They've been back up in the top flight, who, of course, reached the quarterfinals of the Europa League last season. Just to see us make them look average at times and dominate them at times, it was a very pleasing to see. And, you know, when you look at the stats, we had 68% of the possession, 13 shots compared to their seven. We really were really, really good on the night. And yeah, that's why I feel as though we deserved a point, really, but it just wasn't to be in the end. Uh, but Leeds created quite a lot of chances in that first half. Costa fizzed the shot just wide. Bamford actually scored. <laughs> he put the ball in the back of the net, uh, three in the box, headed in, but he uh, was ruled out correctly for offside. It was a mile offside. Uh, Woodrigo, I'd say, had the best chance for Leeds in the whole game in that first half, uh, where he had the ball free in the box and just shot straight at the keeper from close range. He should have definitely done better, should have uh, Rodrigo. But, you know, the longer it was nil-nil, you you were thinking, we've seen this before, these missed chances could end up coming back to bite us. How many games has there been where we've dominated but then just missed chances and then ended up losing the game by a scrappy goal. It really did feel like we were playing another championship game in, in, in that first half, just dominating the game, but, but just couldn't score. It, it was so frustrating. Shades of like Wigan and Sheffield Wednesday where we're just on top of the whole game. Yeah. And then we you know miraculously lose for no reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Wolves, you know, they def- definitely did play well in that second half, but that first half was just... So frustrating because after each chance, every time we you know we broke past their defence and we just kept on missing chances, you were thinking this is going to come back to bite us. And yeah, it, it, it of course did. Uh, we let Wolves back into the game. They had a really good chance just before half time, actually, with their uh, Podence free in the box. Should have scored, but Ilemezier was there to uh, make a very good, strong save to keep it 0-0 at half time. And Mezier, I thought, had a, another astounding game, Charles. Yeah, I felt sorry for him because obviously the goal that ended up beating him was a deflection that completely wrong-footed him. Whereas if it hadn't have hit Calvin's head, it was going straight into his arms. So yeah, so he made a couple of good saves, a, a few a couple of shots from outside the box and the Poland save. Um, yeah, he had a very solid game. He probably deserved his clean sheet. It's just unfortunate that he's... A lot of the goals he's conceded so far, only a couple of ones in the Fulham game and potentially the Van Dijk won the Liverpool game where I thought he's at fault for that. But the rest of them have just kind of been, you know, good efforts or defensive mistakes, which this one was. It was just a, a defensive mistake from Phillips. It's just pinged off his head and gone the wrong way, which is just unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, it was just unfortunate. It was just one of those, really. Of course, their goal came on a uh, 70 minutes through uh, Raul Jimenez. I mean, his shot was not going in. It was a poor shot, really. But yeah, it was just one of those. It took a wicked deflection off Phillips's head and wrong-footed Messier and, and went in. It was just, yeah, really, really unfortunate. But could the defence have prevented this goal, Charles? Because for me, they, they could have. Because Jimenez picked up the ball on that right-hand side and he was allowed to run in into a good position from right to left into a good shooting position. Of course, had the shot and it went in. So I, I feel as though the defence could have stopped him from running from right to left. I feel as though he had way too much time on the ball. Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think he goes past Struik a bit too easily there. I think he escapes him. I think he just has to put a, a challenge in and foul, potentially foul him because you know how good of a player Jimenez is. If you if you leave him free, then you're going to have issues. But yeah, it was just it's just really unfortunate. I mean, it is it is poor defending, but you know it was it is just a really unlucky goal. There's not really much else to say about it. I just I feel sorry for, for Phillips, and I think it's just very unfortunate. Yeah, I feel sorry for the whole defence and, and the goalkeeper because they deserved a clean sheet. The defence was, you know, incredible. I mean, Calvin Phillips didn't have a great game. I, I do feel sorry for him. But, you know, Luke Halen was fantastic on that right-hand side, particularly in that first half with him and Helder Costa on that right-hand side. 
Uh, Robin Cock, I feel, had his best game in the league. He was fantastic. I put a, a man of a match poll out on Twitter after the game, and Robin Cock won by a landslide with 74.3% uh, of the vote. Uh, so, yeah, Robin Cock definitely was good. Uh, Stuart Dallas as well had another fantastic game. And a big shout out to Pascal Stewart. You know, for a 21-year-old who, you know, he wasn't meant to be starting. Liam Cooper was meant to be starting. The captain was meant to be starting, but he pulled up in the warm-up, uh, the current of his groin strain and got pulled out of the starting 11. Uh, late on, Stubick had to warm up very quickly. He was chucked in to the starting 11. Jimmy Shackleton came onto the bench. And so Pascal Stewart, I think, deserves a lot of credit because he, he wasn't meant to be starting. He had to warm up very quickly just before the game. And he would chuck Trace in there. And he had a, a, a fantastic game, Charles, didn't he? He did. And, yeah, obviously, there was, it was a bit, bit of a mistake for the goal. But his general play was good. He was very solid. And I'm, I'm confident if we have to put him in there in future. It's just, um, it's obviously, a bit, there's a bit of an issue at the moment because Cooper's injured. It looks like Llorente is out for the foreseeable. Um, and it, it looks like even Streak might have picked up a little, a little bit of a knock in the Wolves game as well. And obviously, as, as we're going to go on to talk about, Phyllis has picked up his injury, so there is a bit of a defensive crisis at the moment, yeah. which we're, yeah, is going to take some resolving. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And, you know, I, I think I feel as though a lot of pundits fail to mention this, but, you know, think what you want about Liam Cooper, but he is for captain. And we lost our captain just before kickoff. To lose your captain just before the game is very, very tough, isn't it, Charles? Well, it is, yeah. He's arguably one of, one of the most important players on the pitch because he's, he's got that leadership, he's got that experience. He's, he's played at I think at all the levels he's played at. He's played in the Championship for years. He played in League Two when he was with Chesterfield. He's, and now he's got his, his chance at the Premier League. He's a, he's a very experienced centre-half um, who, who makes up the partnership with another player in Robin Cock who doesn't have that much experience of English football and a inexperienced player like Strick. So to lose him, it is quite a blow. Yeah, 100%. But the, the defence, I feel, you know, played really well on the night, deserved a clean sheet, but just, you know, unfortunately, we conceded a scrappy goal, really. Uh, we, of course, brought on Pablo Hernandez, who made his return from injury, and he had a really good chance in that second half as well, which he probably should have scored from. Uh, Wolves, as well, brought on Adama Traore, who was oiling himself up on the touchline, Adama Traore. Now, he he's very, very lot, strong. He's, he's very ripped. He's very fast. But yeah, he, he put oil on his arms, which uh, is an interesting tactic. Yeah, well, he, he does that apparently because um, people try to grab him and foul him. So they they literally oil him up so people can't grab him, which is yeah. a bit, you know, strange. But <laughs> Yeah, no, well, well, they do that in, in a lot of other sports, really. They do it, they, I know that they do it in wrestling. Um, and, you know, sumo wrestling, you know, they oil him up so it's harder to to grab them, uh, harder to, harder to, you know, defend against them. So, you know, you don't really see it often in, in football, but, you know, very interesting. But Adama Traore, he's already strong. He's already quick, you know, add oil onto his body to make it harder to, to grab hold of him. Then it's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be even, even harder to, to defend against him. So, um, uh, but no, Leeds United brought on Rafinha, new signing Rafinha, who made his debut, came on for Jack Harrison on the 82nd minute. And he looked quite good as well, De Rafinha. You know, looked quite fast, looked quite skillful. Uh, yeah, played quite well. But Leeds United just couldn't recover from going to goal down and uh, ended up losing 1-0. And it just wasn't our night, was it, Charles? It, it just wasn't our night. No, it was <laughs> It was just one of them where you're not going to get the result you want. And from the start, it looks like we were shit-housed a bit, but a draw would probably <laughs> have been the fair result. And to get done by such a, such a kind of poxy drab goal, you know, 
just a lucky goal is, is it stings a bit. But we've got plenty more chances to uh, to pick up points this season, and we've got another good chance on Friday. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you need to remember Wolves are, although they're not the biggest team on paper, they're not Liverpool or Manchester City. They have a good team. They have a good team, so there's no shame in 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 losing against Wolverhampton Wanderers, really. Yeah, they are a fantastic team. Um, I feel as though Jimenez should have been sent off late on. Uh, Robin Cock brought him down, and while he was on the floor, he kicked at Robin Cock, just kicked him. Wasn't too unlike, uh, if you catch your mind back to last season, Chelsea versus uh, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, Young Min Son, his kick, uh, while he was down on the floor, he got sent off for it. It wasn't you know, too unlike that. So do you feel as though Jimenez should have been sent off, Charles? I do, actually, yeah. He deliberately kicks out. And there's zero tolerance on violent conduct. He, he, he kicks him with the intention yeah. to kind of catch him in the, uh, oh, down below, <laughs> to try to try and hurt him because he felt he was fouled. But it's uh, it's completely unacceptable. So yeah, he should, he should have been sent off. But I noticed that nobody picked it up. Not Sky. Not nobody yeah. other than the old people on Twitter and YouTube. Nobody picked it up. Not nobody official anyway. Yeah, but it should it should have definitely been sent off. It just seems as though VAR does not care about the health and well being of other players, unfortunately. Um, I mean, I thought yeah. the officiating was poor all night, really. The referee, David Koo, he was just dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Made some made some baffling decisions at times. I've never been a fan of, of David Koo, really, since he uh, since he saw him refereeing Leeds United a few seasons ago. Yeah, I haven't been a fan of him at all. I thought I thought he had a shocking game on, on Monday night. But, you know, there's no excuses. It just wasn't Leeds United tonight, really. We just failed to... To capitalise on our chances and capitalise on our dominance, really, which, you know, I, I guess you could you could look at it and think, you know, it's a bit worrying, you know, because it's kind of like last season where, you know, we struggled to, to you know, capitalise on chances and, and convert chances. So, do you think that's a, that's a, another problem this season, Charles? Do you think that's an area which we which we can improve on? I don't know. I think we've been pretty good at converting our chances this season. I think we've been generally outperforming our XG, although I don't particularly put much stock in XG because I think it's a bit silly at times. <laughs> um, and I don't think it takes into account a lot of things and I think it over-extrapolates a lot of things. But I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think it was just one of them games and you do get yeah. them games over the course of a season. As I was saying earlier, the, the Wigan and the Sheffield Wednesday games in, in the last couple of seasons where you just turn up and nothing goes your way and you're there, you know, hammering on, on a door for 90 minutes and getting no joy whatsoever. Just Yeah, th- those kind of games where just nothing goes your way. It's... You just do get them, and that was and that was one of them. Yeah, it was just one of them. So it's not time to worry yet. No, I'm not worried. Yeah, two wins, two two losses, and a draw. That's you know pretty mid-table form. So if you yeah. got, if you take that over over the whole season, then you'll be fine. Yeah, I'm I mean, I saw a lot of Leeds United fans after the game on Twitter. You know, a bit angry and a bit worried after that. You know, worried that we're going to go down. I mean, why? <laughs> you know, there's no need to be. You know. We, you know, we the, are a newly promoted team. I think a lot of people seem to forget we have a newly promoted team, and to already win two games and, and pick up a draw in the first five games isn't that bad. It is the Premier League. We're not we're not going to win every game anymore. We're not going to win every single game. A loss is going to come from time to time, and that is okay. We have a newly promoted side. It, it, it's not time to worry yet. If you if you're worried after that, don't be. Don't be. There's no need to be. As I said, Wolves have a good team, and we lost against a decent team by a scrappy goal. You know, it's not the end of the world, is it, Charles? It's as simple as that. It's there's nothing to be worried about whatsoever, and th- those yeah. games happen, those goals happen. It's not, it's not an issue, and that's the thing, though. It's when you when you when you get more successful the football club, the fans get more entitled. That's why you get fans of you know of Manchester United and Liverpool and Real Madrid and and Barcelona 
assuming they're going to win every game, and when they don't win every game, they have an absolute meltdown. It's just there's nothing, there's nothing to be worried about. We've just been promoted, as you've said. All we need to do is stay in the division. We're gonna we're gonna get games like that, and we're gonna get games which end up like the uh, like the first kind of sixty minutes of the Fulham game where we just steamroll a team. Those both types of games happen, so there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, I think if you look at the positives, it's a, a really good marker as to where we are. Because uh, I think Ravizani, at least, he, he wants to do similar to what Wolves have done and, and achieve something in the Premier League and compete in the Premier League. And I think that's a good marker as to where we are. You know, you know, we, uh, just a, a minor loss against a really good team. I think I think that is a good marker. I think, you know, it's probably a, a bit of a wake-up call, really. And, you know, it's just a learning curve. We, uh, yeah, we learn from that and we move on, really. Uh, of course, we're 10th in the Premier League table on seven points, but after five games, the table is, is very much <laughs> irrelevant, really. Uh, as I say, we, we'll learn from it and we move on to the game on Friday night where we take on Aston Villa away from home. We'll preview that game later on in the show. So we've got no Leeds United under 23s game to look at as they have not played since we last spoke. Uh, they don't play again until this Sunday, the 25th of October, where they take on Norwich City at Four Parch in the Premier League 2, kicking off at 12pm. And it will be live-streamed on social media, so make sure you set your reminder for that. And as we mentioned in the last episode, the Leeds United women don't play again until next Tuesday night when they take on Bradford City away from home in the league. That one kicks off at 7.45pm. So let's now have a look at some news. And we must start with the big and quite worrying news really, coming out of Monday night's game. Uh, 24-year-old midfielder Calvin Phillips has suffered a shoulder injury and could face up to six weeks on the sidelines. This is not good at all, Charles, really, is it? No. Him and Mateus Click are probably the two players we least need to be injured. We, we need them to fit the most, and we to lose him so early on and for such an extended period as well is really unfortunate. It was, and the injury that he picked, where he picked it up was such a daft... It was, it was Jimenez again. Jimenez legs him up as he's running back, and he trips and smashes his shoulder into the floor, and just that's how he did it. He did it. To pick up such a silly injury like that is is unfortunate. Yeah, very much so. But you know, I this mean... this break... Sorry to interrupt. This break, we might do him the, the world of good, though, because he's um, he's been playing a lot of games with England. So he's already played quite a lot of games this season. To, to get that time off and to miss the next international break and recuperate, it might, be the, might end up being the best thing for him. Get, get yeah. his mind right and get, get his body right and then come back and, and perform his best for Leeds. Because at the moment, especially with the games being Nations League games and friendlies, and please for him that he's getting international call-ups for England, but they are glorified friendlies, really. And he's <laughs> tying himself out, playing in a system that's different from Bielsa's system. So to get him away from England for a bit and to get him to get him right might be, a, I'm not going to say a blessing in disguise. I'd rather have him fit in the team, but, you know, yeah. might be a, a benefit, a, a silver lining of the cloud. Yeah, yeah. If you if you're looking at positives, trying to look at positives in this situation, yes, I think I think it's an opportunity for him to just you know refresh and recharge the batteries and you know miss the next miss the next international break, which is uh, in in two weeks or so. So yeah, if you're looking at positives, that that is of course a positive. But Cameron Phillips is an important part of the team. He's in the spine of the team. I'd say he's been the heartbeat of the team on occasions. He's he's a key key player, and without him, we do tend to struggle. So. He will be a massive loss, won't he, Charles? He will, and um, I'm not looking forward to not having him in the team, especially him, you know, likes a Grealish coming up in attacking midfield for Villa on Friday, and we're not going to have him there. That is a slight worry, but we'll, yeah. um, I suppose, we'll, <laughs> we'll just have to deal with that when it comes up. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, you, you mentioned Grealish there. They've got Grealish, Ross Barkley. The next game after that, Leicester have got Madison. So, 
Yeah, we have a lot of good attacking midfielders that we're coming up against. And yeah, with Cowan Phillips, it would be useful to have him there. But um, yeah, he, he certainly will be a massive loss. Now, in the past without Calvin Phillips, we have had options there. Um, but at this moment in time, we don't really. Uh, Marcel Bielsa has said in his uh, Villa press conference this week that 21-year-old defender Pascal Struick is set to replace Phillips. Now, Struick did play well in defensive midfield a few times last season. He played... Uh, really well in that position for the last three games last season uh, against Barnsley, Derby and Charlton. So could he do a decent job against uh, Aston Villa, do you think, Charles, and, and for the next few next few games? I mean, he's going to have to do. It's not really a, uh, <laughs> it's not really, not really a choice. It's, it's a bit of a baptism of fire, but you know, this is what it's about. This is what happens when you've got a small squad. You, you can't really do much about it. Yeah, you just got to work with what you got, really. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it is unfortunate, but I, I've got faith in him. I think, he, I think he's a good player. I think, the experience will do him good and hopefully he can have a couple of really good performances and we will we'll barely notice Phillips being gone. That's the ideal scenario. Yeah. <laughs> By the time he yeah. comes back, we'll be delighted to see him, but not, you know, <laughs> desperate for him to jump straight back in. Yeah, certainly. I think Sturick is it's definitely a good player, but whether he can replicate the form that he showed in the Championship in that position in the Premier League, we'll, uh, we'll need to wait and see. Uh, but yeah, he certainly had a good season as Struick so far this season. But do you really want a youngster like Struick out of position against really good opposition in the Premier League? Or, or would you prefer someone like Robin Cock going in there who's a bit more experienced, has a bit more, you know, has, has played in that position a few more times at, at a high level? I can see where you're coming from, but I think Bielsa likes Cock at centre-half. I think he's, especially given how well Cock performed against Wolves in the centre-half position, I think he wants that to stay as, because he's going to be the only, probably the only member of the back four who's not going to be playing musical chairs this on, on Friday, is, uh, <laughs> is Robin Cock. <laughs> so um, I think Bielsa want to keep him there. It's a fantastic analogy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I prefer Cock and Shurik to both be in centre-back, but realistically, does have the only two options, really, to fill that midfield role. Um, and if Stuart or Cock, you know, do move into midfield, then someone needs to go at centre back. And Liam Cooper, Marcel also said in his press conference that Liam Cooper is a doubt for Friday. You'd expect him to definitely miss the game on Friday and miss potentially miss some further games with that groin strain. Uh, so he's not available. Summer signing Diego Llorente is also out injured. The 27 year old defender is out for three weeks after picking up a groin strain while on international duty with Spain. So he won't be an option for a while. So, yeah, Stuart or Cock have to move, really. And, yeah, who goes in in centre-back? I mean, I think the obvious move would be to put Luke Aylin at centre-back. Uh, Aylin's played centre-back many times before and done quite well. We know he can play there. Although I'd say that Aylin has been phenomenal at right-back so far this season. So I would be a bit hesitant to move him out of position right now. But that is a solid option, though, moving Aileen into centre-back. And if you do that, then Shackleton or Dallas could play at right-back. And then you could play either Leif Davis or Ayarski at left-back if you're moving Dallas over to the right. So there are options there. Davis can also play centre-back as well. So there are options, but Charles, are not exactly options which fill you with a lot of confidence, are they? Not particularly. I think it's going to be a bit of a bit of an issue till Cooper's back fit you know, completely. I think that will slightly resolve some of the issues. Um, Cooper being, you know, dropping out of the lineup on, on Monday was a little bit worrying because <laughs> the three the three days is not a lot of time to recuperate if he if he's managed to redo his um, his groin. If it's just a slight niggly ad on Monday, then I suppose there's a possibility he might be okay. But they don't want to risk him and you know turn it into a worse injury. I think it's going to be just something for Bielsa to sort out. We're just a bit unfortunate that a lot of the very similar types of players have been injured all at once, and and it's a 
in the positions that we don't have a lot of depth in as well. Yeah, I mean, God forbid we get any other injuries in, in the defensive positions. you got to remember, though, Diego Juventus is only meant to be out for three weeks, so he could be back soon, but I'd expect him not to be back before the international break. Um, but yeah, it's not good at all. And as you say, musical chairs, you know, there's going to be a lot of reshuffling in the uh, starting eleven. Uh, yeah, that is now Juventus, Cooper and Phillips out injured for us. Our defence is taking a bit of a hit, really, and it's certainly not good, certainly quite quite worrying really I don't know how we're going to manage against uh, against some really good teams in our next couple of games uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, see how we do uh, full faith in Bielsa right now Charles <laughs> what's well, all we can do really unfortunately so we can't we can't afford to um, to lose faith at this point it's, it, I am I am confident that Bielsa will sort this out as well I think the players have got enough experience in different positions along the defensive line because of the the way Bielsa insists on playing, that I think we'll probably be able to resolve it. But we've never had to sort something out to this extent at this higher level before. So this will be a proper test of Bielsa's um, man management and arrangement skills for the defence. I just hope that while we are as makeshift as we are, that we don't end up conceding a shed load of goals and losing confidence and people start piling in on social media and all that other horrible stuff when you lose a few a couple of games. Because we just need to have a little bit of patience, I think. We are going to concede a couple of dodgy goals while the defence is makeshift, sure, I'm sure of it. But I think the um, I think we've definitely got the potential to win the games regardless. Yeah, 100%. But it's sure going to be interesting to see how we cope without Calvin Phillips. And of course, best of luck to Calvin Phillips. Uh, uh, I do wish him a strong and speedy recovery. Uh, well, now, let's discuss this whole pay-per-view debacle shall we uh, it was announced a couple of weeks ago that uh, football games that are not chosen uh, for your standard Sky Sports and BT Sport coverage uh, will be available to watch but only if you paid a £14.95 pay-per-view price and the Aston Villa Leeds game at Villa Park on Friday night is on BT Sport box office so if you want to watch that then you will have to purchase it unfortunately uh, now, now I'm kind of in two minds about this, really, I think it's it's good that the option is there, really, to be able to watch the games. I, I think that's great, and I think that's why 19 out of the 20 Premier League clubs doted for it, because you'd rather have the option there than have nothing there at all. But I do think that there's other ways to show the games rather than making fans pay £14.95 to watch a game. It, it seems a little bit too much money, doesn't it, Charles? It does. It's... Um... It's really not not right for these TV companies that are already charging people, you know, forty, fifty pound a month to watch BT and and probably a similar amount a month to watch Sky and everything else. And then they've got the audacity to turn around and say, right, even though you're all skint and even though it's in the middle of a pandemic and even though games used to be on the, earlier in the pandemic, they run a couple of games were on the BBC and ITV and things like that. So a bit of a relief there for them, for them then to turn around and say, oh, actually, we're going to charge you £15.99. We're going to try and fleece even more money out of you. Bear in mind, a lot of people have already, you know, paid their season tickets. And so yeah. as far as they're concerned, they should be getting to see these games if it's down to the yeah. clubs for free because they've paid to be there, but they can't be there for obvious reasons. It's disgraceful, really. And it's a bit, it's disgusting, to be honest with you. Now. And I think this constant trying to wrench more and more and more money out of fans for, for very little reason just out of interest of greed really particularly for the for the higher Premier League clubs that, that they do not need to um, to fleece any more money out of fans in fact the majority of Premier League clubs I think could probably afford to uh, operate for free and not charge fans anything to turn up to games 
that's not the case in in the EFL because the TV revenue is nowhere near as good and the advertising sponsorships nowhere near as good. But in the Premier League, I'm willing to bet probably probably twelve or thirteen of the twenty clubs could afford to just charge fans nothing and just go off the TV money. So for them to not only wrench you know hundreds and hundreds of pounds on the season ticket and also the general money for for the broadcasting on BT and Sky, but then even more money, the 50, this fifteen pound ninety nine charge is it's it's wrong. Yeah, it very much is. You know. Fans, as you mentioned, already pay for Sky and BT subscriptions. Surely that's pay-per-view in itself, right? You're paying to watch the, watch the platforms. So, yeah, I think that's a bit wrong. You know, they're already paying 50 quid a month or so to, for these subscriptions. Now they have to pay even extra, which isn't right. And especially during a pandemic where, you know, money is tight at the moment, you know, for a lot of people. So I think, you know, the extra £15 for each game is, yeah, it's sure going to uh, take a toll. Um, of course, you mentioned there, season ticket holders, such as myself, we've already paid to watch the games. <laughs> so surely, you know, we should be able to watch it for free. You know, I, th- I think club websites such as LUTV, you know, should be able to show it. I think that a negotiation of the TV deals needs to happen, really, because we are in a new... It is the new normal, as to say. We are in a, in a new age right now, and people are going to have to watch games on TV for a little while longer now. So I think a, you know a renegotiation of the TV deals must happen. Really, they must find a way to make watching games a lot more accessible, and you know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, a lot more expe- accessible for for fans. Really, it's supposed to be the working man's sport. It's yeah, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? It's yeah. supposed to be a working class sport, and it's uh, and they're charging people this amount of money. It's 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 just wrong. And and then you, I know we're not we're not planning on talking about it, but there's even more stuff coming out this week about the um, about them trying to brand this new European Premier League crap. Yeah. Um, so it's just a series of billionaires who were so greedy they're trying to they're trying, trying to literally wrench the soul out out of the sport, and it's it's really sad to see, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, quite frankly, this whole European Super League and the big Project 6 or whatever, it, it doesn't deserve it for light of day, really. That, that's why we're trying to avoid talking about it on this podcast. But um, no, you're right. It is it, you know, it is a shame because it's just greediness, really, from, from the millionaires and the billionaires, really. You know, why did they need these extra £15 off, off each fan to, you know, to watch the game, these games? It is a bit ludicrous. Yeah, that, that LUTV cannot show it, by the way, because of the TV deal. So that's why I think negotiations have to happen, really, on, on that standpoint. I also don't understand why someone on the other side of the world can watch these games for free, but then we have to pay and we're over here. <laughs> you know, I, to me, that's just baffling. You know, someone who, who probably doesn't even care about the Premier League halfway across the world can watch the game for free for nothing, but we have to pay over here i think that's just a bit of a disgrace really and i think as well because 15 pound is quite a lot of money to be honest i think if it was any cheaper say five pound or maybe even 10 pound then i'd be a bit more on board with it i'd probably consider purchasing pay-per-views but 15 pound is is way too much money i mean the other week when leeds united played Hull city in the Carabao Cup, I paid ten pounds to watch the stream, and I thought that was a rip-off, really. So fifteen pound is just—it's just way too much money. But I probably would be a lot more on board with it, and probably consider buying it if it was a little bit cheaper. But the fact that it is fifteen pound is just way too much money, to be honest. And I think as well, 
I, I think it will encourage household mixing as well, which is not what you want in this pandemic. I think people will go to the mates and say, oh, look, if we get a few of us here, we can split the price. It'll be, you know, just a few quid each to watch it. And, and that and that'll be great. You know, th- that's not what you want in, in the pandemic. You don't want household mixing. And I think it encourages it. I also think it will encourage people to find illegal streams, which, uh, you know, it isn't right. And pubs as well. Pubs will be showing it. And I think pubs will be a lot more packed, which, you know, of course, we'll support the pub. But do you really want a pub filled with drunk football fans uh, during the pandemic? No, you, you probably don't. So, yeah, I think there's so many, so many reasons as to why the pay-per-view thing is just completely wrong, really. And that's why a lot of fans are, you know, deciding to put their money uh, towards something else. A lot of fans are donating to charity, donating for £15 to charity instead of giving it to, to millionaires and billionaires at Sky and BT and, and, and football clubs. You know, if the price, if the money was going straight to the football club, then I'd be all about it. But the fact that it is going to Sky and BT is just, it just sucks really. And um, yeah, a lot, a lot of fans are donating to charity instead. A lot of Leeds United fans are donating to the Leeds Fans Food Bank, of course, run by the LUFC Trust. So if you're not wanting to spend money on the pay-per-view, um, but you're wondering, you know, what, what am I going to do with this fifteen pound? Then give it to charity instead. Put it towards a good cause, hundred percent. I think that's uh, I think that's great to see. And uh, yeah, take a stand, really. If you don't agree with all this, and then take a stand. Don't pay for the pay per view. If they don't get many buyers on pay per view, then it's not going to happen for long. That's for sure. So if you if you don't agree with it, then take a stand. Don't purchase it. Just wait. You know, f- try and find a stream. Just wait and 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 see the results. See the highlights. Um. Yeah, just just try and live without it. Really, it's unfortunate, but yeah, it's it's what's happening. It's just yeah, it's really really bad. Really, this pay per view thing. As I say, I I think it's good that the option is there to be able to watch it, but it's just there. There must be other ways to to be able to to let fans watch games, Charles. Well, there is. There's plenty of other ways they could do it. They could they could stream for free. They could well they could just deduct it off you. On the red button, they could deduct it off your season ticket costs and allow each club to stream on their own streaming service for free. They could, they could do a number of things that is not just trying to, to rip more people off. But that's all they know how to do at the moment. The Premier League is is eating itself with its own greed, to be honest. Yeah. Because as soon as as, as soon as this um, because this this scheme to kind of massively expand it if that keeps going off then people are just not going to be interested no one's going to want to watch the same teams play the same teams every week in the, you know in a kind of super league of 10 no one's going to be bothered about that that's that's how the yanks do it but it's it's not going to work and people are just going to are going to be disinterested and stop stop going once once football restarts or they're going to be you know they're going to choose a different club or they'll go support an EFL club or a the National League club, which to be honest, I'd be all in favour of. If a lot of Liverpool fans, if they, if Liverpool, the, the club left and all these Liverpool fans decided to go like support Tranmere instead, that'd be far, be far more entertaining. <laughs> you know, like the, the pro- proper scouts, uh, Liverpool fans, that'd be brilliant because you know it's, it's it's the worst part of football. Money is the worst part of football, but this, yeah, this, 100%. The, the greed and the the fact that it's just getting worse and worse and worse with the gas and things like that, it's, it, it is a bit depressing to be honest. <laughs> Well, let's now look ahead to Leeds United's next game, which sees them take on Dean Smith's Aston Villa away at Villa Park on Friday night. It kicks off at 8pm. And as we say, it is live on BT Sport box office. Uh, Charles, what are your thoughts heading into the game on Friday night? I am moderately worried, (laughs) given the defensive situation. But 
I'm pleased that it's such a quick turnaround because it gives the players the chance to just go out straight away and, and get straight back into it. I'm anticipating quite a quite an expansive game. I think they've got you know Ross Barkley and they've got Jack Grealish and they've got some they've got some solid players. They've got they've got Mings in defence who's, who's decent. I mean I know he, he has his critics but he is a decent player. So they've got they've got some good players and is it Mar- they've got Martinez from Arsenal as well that he's a really solid keeper. They've got a really good spine going on. So. They have definitely got some players to be to be feared, and they started the season fantastically with the um, four four straight victories. So they are the form team in the division. So this is the worst time to be playing them. But you know, all good things must come to an end. So hopefully, we can you know send them all home miserable. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is not a great time to be playing Aston Villa. As you say, they've got some great players. They've recruited really well. Over the summer, with the additions of Ollie Watkins, Martinez, and goal, as you say, and and Ross Barkley, who who seems to be uh, a very good signer for them, as well as already having Jack, the, you know, the likes of Jack Grealish. So they do have a very very good team, Aston Villa. They're not a bad team at all, Charles, are they? No, not all. They are fantastic, really. So <laughs> I'm I'm kind of hoping we're 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 going to turn up and just have a you know one of those games where we just turn up and steamroll somebody and we can be you know two or three nil up in the first half. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's it's going to be a case of we're going to have to just be sharper and, and more at it than they are because I think if yeah. we, if we give the likes of Ross Barkley and, and Grealish time on the ball and, and space to do their thing, then without you know compromised our defence currently, is we might get punished. Yeah, I mean we, we certainly will have to be on the top of our game. It's certainly going to be a very very tough fixture. Uh, you know, as you say, they've had an incredible start to the season despite only just staying up, just surviving in the Premier League last season. They've started the season incredibly. The only team in England to still have a 100% record in the league. They played for one four, which includes a an unreal seven two victory over defending champions Liverpool at Villa Park a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, they've had an insane start to the season. Aston Villa. They are second in the league on 12 points, one point behind league leaders Everton, but they do have a game in hand on Everton, so that's why they are second. Will Aston Villa be near the top of the table all season? No. I don't think so. Obviously, never say never. Anything can happen. Look what happened with Leicester City a few years ago. But in my honest opinion, I don't think Aston Villa will be near the top of the table all season. Now, will there be near the relegation zone? Will they be fighting for survival? No, I don't think so. I think they'll be far from it, really. I think that Aston Villa are on course for a top half finish. Uh, but Aston Villa, they definitely will be up for this game. They, they want to remain undefeated. They, they want to keep on uh, uh, keep on winning games. So they're going to be up for it. And yeah, we're going to have to be on the top of our game if we want to uh, pick anything up uh, from this game, really. It's funny that you mentioned that you, you, you're a fan of the quick turnaround. And, you know, I do agree after this loss, but I do find it bizarre how we played on the Monday night. We're then playing on the Friday night and then we don't play again for another 10 days because we play Leicester a, a week on Monday, don't we? So... Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure what what to think of that, giving us a you know a four day break or so before we, we play our next game, and it's the only Premier League game on Friday night as well. And the fact that it's on um, pay per view is is a, is a bit it's a bit bizarre. But um, no, I'm I'm not sure what to make of that, Charles. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's not the first time. I mean it's a bit unusual for the Premier League, but we've had a, we've had a lot of this in the Championship where there's just you know a stupidly quick turnaround. We've had, since remember in the past as as having like three games in six days or something stupid like that. So <laughs> it's not the first time we've dealt with something silly like this. But I'm pleased it's got this another game quickly. It gives us a chance to to bounce back yeah. immediately and um, and really get back into it. So the the feeling of the defeat will still be fresh in the players' minds. So yeah, I'm 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 quite pleased it's straight away. 
Yeah, I, I somewhat agree as well. I think if it was a draw or a win on Monday, then I'd have been happy to wait. But yeah, especially after a loss, just to get back out there and try to uh, shake off them uh, them demons. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I think that is a, a huge positive. Uh, now, Leeds have a great record against Aston Villa. Two losses in, in 12 games. Just two losses in 12 games, which is remarkable. Six draws and five wins. Uh, of course, in the 18-19 season, uh, we drew one all with Aston Villa at Elland Road. Uh, but the last time at Villa Park, I'm sure you, you guys don't do not need reminding, uh, it was that incredible 3-2 victory on December the 23rd, 2018. Uh, that was an incredible game, wasn't it, Charles? We were talking about that about that before we uh, we, we uh, hit the record button. That was a uh, yeah, <laughs> happy memories from the last time we played them at Villa Park. It's one of the, it's one of those games that you uh, you remember for a very long time afterwards. It yeah. was it was fantastic because even though we were two 0 down in the first half, we were actually probably the better team. We just conceded to two, you know, two decent bits of play and kind of, you know, average defending. But the second half, we blew them away. Obviously, it's uh, Jack Clark earning his £10 million price tag inside inside <laughs> 90 minutes or 45 minutes there, whatever long was on the pitch. He, um, he got his first goal for the club and Jansen equalised and then Roof got the win of, in the in the last minute. So it was, it was just everything you could want for a football game, apart from maybe a penalty and a red card was in that <laughs> game. It was just fantastic watching and yeah and then we did it we did it all over again about about three days later against against <laughs> Blackburn so it happened it happened a lot yeah to think that was almost two years ago as well that is incredible time has gone so so fast makes you feel old doesn't it yeah yeah it really does uh but can we continue our good form against Aston Villa do you think what's your what's your score prediction for Friday night well I, I would say we had mixed form not good form at the moment it's going to be a tough one. I'd probably predict a draw. I think it'd be a draw. Come on, give us a score. One all. Yeah. It would be nice to bounce back from that defeat, but yeah, it is going to be very tough. Aston Villa uh, are cruising right now. Um, yeah, I think a draw as well. I'll, I'll go 2-2, two, 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 I think. Um, What's your lineup for the game? Who Who's playing one, really. in defence for you? This, this is the thing with the defence is it depends on whether or not Liam Cooper's available to play. Obviously, yeah. So if he's not, then it'll have to be for me: Leif Davis at left back, Robin Cock at left centre half, Ailing at right centre half, and then Stuart Dallas at right back with um, with Streak in defensive midfield. Um, if he is fit, then I'd have Stuart Dallas left back, Ailing right back, and Cock and Cooper in the middle with Streak in defensive midfield. That's the ideal scenario. What we know, uh, I'd keep everything else the same. I think. Um, Rodrigo had a decent-ish game. I think, despite like what you were saying, he should, he should probably have taken his chance against Wolves. But yeah, I'd, I'd probably keep the rest of the team the same. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree. If, if Liam Cooper's fit, then definitely he has to start. So we do have options um, at centre back, and we don't, you know, move too many players out of position. Yeah, if Liam Cooper's there, then yeah, I mean, Bielsa's already said Shubik's going to play in defensive midfield. Um, but if Liam Cooper's not there, then yeah, Shubik defensive midfield. Cock and Ailing as the centre backs, and yeah, you know what? I'd put Dallas at right back. I was thinking Jamie Shackleton keep Dallas at left back, but no, I think Dallas will will be fine at right back. And then I'd put Alioski at left back, really, just you know because he's got a lot more experience. I, I'd put him at left back, but Leif Davis as well. It would be great to see him play uh, if needed. Uh, but yeah, certainly going to be interesting. And yeah, I agree. I think uh, going forward, I think he'll uh, yeah will uh, remain unchanged. Uh, I don't think Rafinha. We'll start. I mean, do you think Rafinha may, may start, actually? Because Helder Costa, of course, came off, 
as a substitute midway through that second half against Wolves. He, you know, he, he had a good start to the game, but didn't really play well in the second half. So could could we potentially see the finish that? I don't think he'll start. I think we'll see more of him off the bench. I think he'll probably come on a bit earlier this time. Yeah. If we need a bit of inspiration. I'm looking I'm just looking forward to seeing how Bielsa approaches the game because we've got a lot of attacking options now. So he's got a lot of he's he's sport for choice at the top end of the pitch. He's just the other end of the pitch. We're just a bit of a a bit of a crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's sure gonna be uh an interesting game on Friday night. It's sure gonna be a tough game, but uh, hopefully Leeds United can uh, pick up a point or three. <laughs> So that brings us to the end of episode 78 of the All Things Leeds podcast. Uh, thank you very much, as always, to Charles for joining me. Thanks for having me on, mate. Yeah, joining me, as always, mate. And uh, have a fantastic weekend weekend. And uh, we'll catch up next week, as always. And thanks, as always, to everyone who has uh, listened or watched. We uh, very much appreciate it. Uh, make sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating. That would be very much appreciated. Share the podcast around as well. Uh, it really does help us out, and we do very much appreciate the support. Uh, follow All Things Leads on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Search for All Things Leads on, on Twitter and Instagram. Search for All Things Leads on Facebook. And subscribe to the All Things Leads YouTube channel well, if you have not already. Uh, Charles and I will be back next week. So for now, take care, stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll speak to you soon. <laughs>